Welcome to Larry Reedy's America. Uh, we're live at Creek Bottom Brewery in Oldenburg, Indiana. And the reason you're not hearing America the Beautiful or you won't hear uh, the Star Spangled Banner at the end of the podcast is unfortunately I have this little road wireless go to and I don't edit. I don't, I'm not going to start editing. So we're going to do without for the next three podcasts. After this, I'm going to a gun store and then I'm going to a historic theater. So uh, r- right now I'm putting on the um, microphone for Steve Staley, who uh, I, uh, this is the owner, he and his wife, it's a family affair, and their son Matt, if, if you're hearing noise right now, I don't have a headset on, uh, it's because I'm putting the little road transmitters into a stick with a uh, kind of a noise softener on the uh, front end of it, so Anyway, uh, Steve, welcome to my podcast. Well, thank you. Okay. Hey, uh, Steve, where were you born, and where'd you go grade school, high school? So, uh, born Batesville, high, Batesville. Um, my, I lived mom and dad out in Pentown, so, you know, close to Sunman. I went to grade school in St. Nicholas, so I was one of eight in my class. Wow. Right? <laughs> you don't hear a lot of that anymore. Um, then I ended up, uh, by, I, my freshman year in high school was in Sunman High School. Oh, uh, I didn't know they had a high yes, school. Yes, they did, surely did. So um, I guess I would have gone there in 1972. Yeah, and then um, my sophomore year moved to East Central, and that's where I graduated, out of East Central. Okay, how about college? So I went to University of Cincinnati. Uh, okay. I have a degree in physics. Um, when you have a degree in physics, there's only a few things you can do. So I, yeah. I picked one of them. Um, uh, besides doing the brewery, uh, I've worked for. I've had I've had just a very fortunate career in my in my life. Um, uh, my specialty is measurement science, so I specialize in the, the ability to measure substances. So Such as the length of something, the diameter of something, the volume of something. The, how much electrical current you're producing, all of that wow. is, is, it's all part of, it's all physics. Yes. So, okay. Um, and I started working in the, um, um, the Navy uh, as a civil servant at, at the um, Naval Avionics Center in Indianapolis. So I, I got to work with a team of people who invent stuff to blow other stuff up. So okay. it's pretty interesting. Okay, so you weren't in the Navy no, then? No, I wasn't in the Navy. I was, in, sir, I was a civil servant. Civil servant, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And did you continue as a civil servant or just go? So what I did, so this is why it, it is we lead into the brewing stuff. Okay. This is a natural segue. So I worked for the Navy for several years, um, and then an opportunity opened up at a company in England. And uh, as you can imagine, what I do is kind of rare. There's not a lot of people who are specialized in the fields that I'm specialized in. So they, they, they kind of recruited me uh, to work for them. Um, I was actually still, I still lived in Indiana. Uh, we actually lived in Batesville. My wife and I, we, when we first got married, we lived here in Oldenburg. Okay. And then we moved to Batesville. We were there for like 13 years. And then we moved to out Hamburg. We have a farm out in Hamburg, Indiana. Um, but in, in the middle of all that, uh, so I worked for the Navy for several years, and I started working for this British electronics company. And so I got an opportunity 
than to travel to England. I'd spend about two months a year in England, probably, uh, and Western Europe, so because they, they had a lot of companies that, that in England, also in Germany and France, that mm-hmm. they did work with. So I had a lot of times would help with that. But um, what got me fascinated, up until like when I started working for this company, I was a Coors Light drinker, right? Wow. And, and I go over there, right, and um, they basically refused to try to find me American beer over there. They said, you are not going to go out to the pub and drink American beer. You're going to drink real beer, right? So um, I, I learned early on all about what they do to Americans when you go over there, right? Because I was, I, was, I was working with a great group of guys. So, you know, I'm sitting there. And they said, tell you what, Steve, we'll pick you up around, pick you at the hotel around 6 o'clock, right? And then they pick you up at 6 o'clock, you have a pint, and then they take you downtown to the, it was a small town. I actually worked in Norwich, England. It was in East Anglia. It's on the eastern part of the country. And then they take me to another pint, and then we have another pint, right? So I'm I'm four pints into this. And then then the, the standing joke was they'd find what they call, what they refer to as a curry house. So they take you to an Indian restaurant. And they, 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 and by then you don't really care what you're eating much, right? So, so they do all of that, and the next day you pay for it. But um, that's how I actually got started in drinking good beer was yeah. was actually going to England. Um, and then this would have been in. Let me think. I would have been. I started going over to England in '88, 1988. And when I came back to the states, you know, I thought, yeah, I'd like to find some good beer here, right? Um, and I was traveling all over the United States at the time for this job, and there was only about maybe, maybe 20 breweries in the United States, right? I mean, now we're at about oh. 8,000, yeah. right? But back in 88, it was a new thing. I mean, um, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Fritz Maytag had bought Anchor Steamer Brewing Company in 1960, and then, of course, they started, then, then uh, uh, Sam Cook learn from him and that's the one who started Boston Beer Company but that was in the late 70s yeah and and Boston Beer Company uh, Sam Adams Sam Adams yes. Boston Beer Company Sam Adams so there wasn't a lot of folks here and uh, so there wasn't so when I wanted to try to find good beer right you could find some on his shelves but a lot of the distributors didn't even s- distribute it right so you go to Monarch those they didn't they would distribute some of the Sam Adams stuff maybe some of the Anchor Steamer stuff but like a lot, of, a lot of the big breweries like uh, Sierra Nevada, uh, New Glarus up in Wisconsin, all of them were starting up, but no distributors handled it. So they had to self-distribute. So it was always very regional, right? Um, so what I did was when I'd travel around the country, I would seek out the few breweries I could find, and I'd go in there and started to, to you know, have a good pint once in a while. and. And I got more and more interested in it. Um, and then around, around 2000, um, my kids bought me a homebrew kit. And it took me way back because I, I brewed beer with my dad when, when I was like 10. Right? That's what really kind of, okay. you know. So, so I'm thinking, well, shit, I'm doing something I used to do with my dad. Um, so they got me this, this um, beer brewing kit. And... I made a few batches and they were pretty good, right? And then, since I but since I'm kind of a scientist anyway, you know I, I can't just let stuff alone, right? So now the next thing you know, I'm 
I'm making stainless steel pots. I'm teaching myself how to weld stainless steel. I'm making my own miniature version of commercial brewery. I had PID controllers. I had temperature sensors. Where did you get all this information? And I mean, was it online? Where no, you could no, I just, some of it I knew. Oh, because okay. Because of the work I've done, right? It was, it, again, it's all, a lot of it's measurement. Okay. So I knew all that stuff. And when I worked for the U.S. Navy, and actually when I worked for a British electronics company, one of the things I did besides measuring stuff is I did computer programming. So I did a lot of programming. So I knew basically, and I knew a lot about electronics. Okay. So I just sort of pieced all this stuff together. Wow. Developed all the controllers and those kinds of things. So, and then, it got, so, so, so now I've got this, this miniature commercial brewing system at home, right? And, uh, and I'm making beer, but I can't really decide is it, is it good beer, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, my friends will come over and say it's good beer, but is it really good beer, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so then I started entering um, these brewing competitions. Um, and I'd put, send a beer in, and then they'd get the, I'd get this sheet back with all these critiques. You know, but what was interesting, I found was interesting about it, not only did they tell me, well, you know, it could have more body or the hot prof profile wasn't correct, they actually told me how to fix it. Really? Yeah, and I thought, how the hell did they know that, right? So, so yeah, because if you ever look at, the, you look at how this, these sheets work, you, it's, it's, it's four, there's four categories. There's aroma, appearance, mouthfeel, and flavor, mm -hmm. okay? So those are the four not, main Not ones. a finish. Uh, no, the finish is all based in the, in, it's the actually finishes in the, is in the, the well, it's between the mouthfeel and the, and the flavor, right? Yeah. And then the last one is, does it match the category of the style of beer okay. that's supposed to be? And I'm looking at this and they said, well, you know, like I can remember one of them he sent back, he says, well, what you need to do is you need to bring the pH of your water down further. How do you do that? Exactly. Well, that's that I can do. I can. I mean, but yeah. how do you do it? You you add acid to it. You add, Just uh, add food acid. food grade acid. You could add like citric acid to it. Okay. And those okay. kinds of things. So, because making beer is it it requires about an equal amount of sort of engineering, biology, and chemistry. Because when you get when you get to the level that I'm trying to get to, where you really need to understand how the process works, mm -hmm. you need to understand all that science behind it. And that's probably what made me so interested in brewing to begin with, because it was, it was, <laughs> my wife would always say, it was basically a big science project for me, is what it was, wow. right? So anyway, so I, I build this stuff, I started entering these competitions, and how the hell did they know that? So the Indiana, the, the Indiana State Fair, they do a competition called the Indiana Brewers Cup. And uh, it's like, it's, I think it's like the third largest competition of its type in the United States, other than you know, like the, the World Beer Cup and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. I think we have 1,500 entries. We limited it 1,500 entries. Um, the competition takes four days to do for the, for the, for the judges. So I volunteered, because you can volunteer to what's called steward, which basically means that, so these, these competitions have to be blind, right? So, that, so you, the way they're configured, you've got two or three judges, and they will be assigned a flight of beer, and usually a flight of beers, maybe eight beers, mm -hmm. okay? And so what happens is the steward goes back into the, what they call the beer cave, which is basically a cooler, 
and they get a bottle and bring it out, but they have to make sure there's there's no way the judge can know where the beer came from because you have personal bias, right? Okay, yeah. So, so they bring the beer out, you open the beer, you put about maybe an ounce in the bottom of the glass, you allow it to warm up. There's a whole process going through this. You pick up the aromas and all those kind of things. So I'm, I'm watching these guys, and the thing that was funny was um, I was sitting at this table. The first time I got to volunteer, I was just going to be a steward, right, to bring the beer out to the judges. Well, they were short judges. So since I had spent time in England, they said, we'll, we'll let you judge because they want a third person. So they let me sit in with these two other certified judges to, to uh, help them, mm-hmm. right? So... I'm sitting there, and I, I texted Bell, and I said, I'm the, least, I'm the least educated person at this table, right? The one guy was a Ph.D. physicist, and the other guy was a lawyer. And when I started, I started to realize that a lot of the professional brewers have a, a science or an engineering type of degree. Mm-hmm. So I did this, and it was actually a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing the judging stuff. So then I thought, well, I wonder what it takes to become a judge, right? Because I want to be able to... I want to be able to critique my stuff and fix it if there's mm-hmm. a problem, right? So, so I started down down. It's called the Beer Judge Certification Program. So it's BJCP. It's it's an international organization. They they sanction probably 500 competitions a year around the world. Um, so d- to do it, you first have to take an online exam. Uh, 200 questions in two hours. It, it's open book, but it doesn't matter because yeah. it's true, false, it's multiple choice, and then the ones that kill you are the multiple choice, multiple answer. Wow. Right. So, so as an example, a question might be, what's the difference between a Czech Pilsner and a German Pilsner? Beer. Mm-hmm. Right. So they'll ask those kinds of questions or they'll ask some, some questions about chemistry. Um, there are basically 11, 11 primary flaws in a beer, and each one of those 11 are caused by a different part of the process. So as an example, there's a, there's a, a certain characteristic called um, uh, diacetyl. It's, a chemis- it's chemical. And diacetyl tastes like buttered popcorn, and it has a slick finish on your, on your tongue. If you taste it, what that means is the brewer didn't raise the temperature at the end of fermentation to allow the yeast to get rid of the chemical. So there's 11 of those kinds of flaws, and each of the 11 has a specific thing that causes it. Wow. So that's how you know how to fix it, because you study, so you have to teach yourself how to look for the flaw. And the one thing that was interesting, when I finally got through the exam, um, and I started taking the, 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 the tasting part of it because you, you, it's a written exam, and then you have to go and sign up for a tasting exam, at a, usually at a brewery. And they'll bring in blind samples, and they'll give you, and, and like, be, it'll be like a six-pack. And they'll put them in front of you, and out of the six, four of them will have flaws in them. Really? And then what they do is you they set they you said got six glasses there and you pour yourself the beer you do go through the whole process of warming in your hand and all this kind of thing smelling it and and then you write out your score and what you smelled taste saw etc 
in, on this special score sheet. Um, and then what they do is they take your papers. I mean, you can't imagine how involved this is, right? So you take your, your exam papers, and then in the other room, there'll be at least three like na grand national judges. So they're like they're the sort of the top of the mm -hmm. of the, of the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Yeah. And they will then judge it and score it. And then they send all this information in and then they at the home office in Boulder, they compare your scores against the the, the Grand National judges to see how well you match. The better you match, the higher score you get on the exam. Okay. Now when you're tasting like on judging, and when you were judging, did they serve it cold, kind of cold, or it comes out of so when when we're doing competitions, it, it's everything's kept in a cooler, so it's kept at thirty eight degrees typically. Okay. okay, okay. And then they bring the bottle out um, cold, and that's why you have to warm it up, okay. because you pour an ounce maybe in a glass, and then, but the problem with something that's cold. Uh, you don't get the smell, right? right. right. Yeah, so I was wondering that because, you know. And it hides a lot of the flavor, too, when it's cold. Yeah, and and I remember in London when I went to a pub, I said, now, is this cold beer? He says, well, yeah. He said, what, what do you expect? I said, well, I expect a warm beer. No. They, they serve, in, in England, they serve their beer what's called a cellar temperature. So 55 degrees is yeah. how they sold it. Um, if I had the room at this tap room, uh, despite, even though Melody cringes when I say this, I would have uh, an English-style ale kept at 55 degrees. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'd do the hand pump, you know, because the, the British beers have very low CO2. Yeah. Right? So I, I would do the whole beer engine, the whole nine yards. If I, if I had the room, I would. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, this, I mean, th this is really, this is really neat. I was telling your wife when I stopped by, uh, these tables are beautiful. It's, you got plenty of windows here i mean you're mm -hmm. letting fresh light in uh this is a great place i mean it's uh it's terrific so when you got your certification mm -hmm. and you start critiquing your own beers i am my worst enemy <laughs> because that's that's a, if, if there is if there is a single flaw in my beer when i taste it that's the only thing i can taste Oh my! Right. So, so here's the, there's there's a couple. I'll give you a couple rules around beer around around. Well, at least one of them around drinking beer. We, we're talking about warm. If you can't drink that beer warm, you should never drink it cold. Really? Oh yeah, never. Because when <clears throat> when, when beer is cold, it hides all the flaws. The colder the beer, the worse the flaws can be. And you can actually get physically ill on, on some of the things if the yeah. brewer does something stupid. Well, you know, I see, to me, I can't imagine sitting outside at 90 degrees. And oh, I drink it cold. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but, but, I, but for, for sampling it, you want it. If you, you want, you want right. to sample it. You want it, you know, you want it warm. Yeah. yeah. Because then you get all the flavors. And, you know, it was the one thing that was funny when, when – for years, I thought it was a bunch of BS that you could train your palate. It's not. It. I, I was. I was shocked over the over the years that I've been because I've been a judge about six or seven years now. Um, 
every time I judge, you know, we, we judge in pairs typically. Mm-hmm. You know, one of our palates would be more sensitive to certain flavors than others, but, you know, you, you don't realize you, you do, you can really train your palate to look for very specific flavors. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I have some friends that are executive bourbon chefs. Mm-hmm. They've gone through some kind of a course, and they've got a wheel to help you with yep. flavors. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, because, you know, I've, I, six months ago, I would say, guy says, I taste orange citrus and cotton candy. I'm thinking, when the hell did you eat cotton candy? Mm-hmm. But again, and I'm still not great at it, but like I might be able to pick out a citrus fruit, and, mm-hmm. but I don't know what the, what the fruit is. Yeah. Unless it's, I, now I can pick out banana, mm-hmm. oak, mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a peaty taste or any mm-hmm. anything earthy, yeah. stuff like that. And I'm getting better at it, but at my age. It takes practice. I, I, well, I think at my age, my palate changes it by the hour. It does, it does, it does. <laughs> and, and you also have to think about what you're going to, what you maybe drank before that, because that'll influence your palate too. Right. Or eat. Or eat. Yeah. That's right. And I've got a bad habit of that. I might, I might grab a, well, it's not bad if you drink, have a cracker and drink a water to change it, mm-hmm. you know, if you're sampling yeah, different yeah, yeah. beers, but, uh, or whiskey. But I, I find this fascinating because, uh, you know, 20 years ago, somebody told me, there was going to be all these craft beer brewers. I said, wait, wait, you're going up against Bud and my mm-hmm. old-time <clears throat> favorite when I was a kid, Paps. And, yep, yep. Yeah. And, that was my old man's favorite. Yeah, and you, and, and I'm thinking, why do these guys have to be crazy? But now, you know, I'm uh, Batesville Liquor Store. They got a whole row of craft beers. Sure they do. And, I mean, it's just... and, you know, the thing that was interesting about, you know, we, so, you know, I, I went through the judging process and then my homebrew got better, right? And then um, uh, eventually my, my, uh, my, my wife was willing to let me be nuts and start a brewery, right? Um, but, you know, it's, it's just fascinating when we, when we started this, we assumed we were probably the only what we call beer people around, right? But we opened this brewery, and then all of a sudden we start to find there was a lot of people, in, even in Oldenburg and Batesville area, that are actually into craft beer. Really? Didn't you mean they're they're actually brewing it? Yeah, some are brewing. We got yeah, and some some are just will just seek out craft beer, you know, craft breweries to go to. What? Well, well, you know, I heard a rumor. Uh oh. That you're thinking about having a little distillery at your farm. Yeah. Yeah, really? Are. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're so we're we're a brewery, but we're also a winery. We had to become a winery, okay, um, because we wanted to offer uh, ciders, okay, because okay? that, that's a that's a you know fermented fruit. Yes. And the reason we did that was Dolls Orchard out here, they have a bunch of of apples they get rid of every year, and they approached us and said, hey, you know, we we've got all these these apples at the end of the year. We don't really do anything with them. They're too small to sell mm. or whatever. He says, have you guys ever considered making cider? And we said, you know, it would be kind of neat to have a locally sourced apple supplier and to make cider with it. Um, so we went through the process to become a winery. Um, so now we're a winery and a brewery, 
and yeah, if we once we have a more permanent location, because this we we need, we need to own a building, yes, right? so we can yeah. do a lot more flexibility. Um, but once we do own a building, yes, we're going to start a micro distillery. My son Matthew is the one who actually wants to do it. But yeah, we'll do a distillery also. Okay, why why in the world won't Oldenburg sell you this building? I don't know. It just it, we we went down that they they told us they were going to sell to us for nine months, and then all of a sudden one of the council members turned changed his mind and said, "No, I don't want to sell anymore." I had I had the I had I had paid for the for the the. Uh, Appraisal. I'd gone to the bank. I had the money ready to go. I mean, this, uh, this to me, this is a great location. Plenty yeah. of parking in the back. Yeah. And and your wife said seats maybe a hundred people. Yeah, yeah, it I does. Mean, and the so the yeah, because the irony around all of it was one of the <laughs> what I understand it is one of the reasons they bought the building. And and, and a lot of small towns do this. If there's a build a vacant building available and the town can get it a decent price, they'll buy it, you put a roof on it, you fix it so it doesn't leak, right? And then you do that to attract a business into your town. Right? So okay. it worked. Here yep. we are. But yep. then then they changed their mind and said, Nope, we're not gonna sell it. You think they'll change it back again? I don't know. Uh, I, I guess it's gonna depend a lot on who's yeah, there's, you know, who, who knows who's going to be in the council yeah. after the yeah. coming elections, right? So, I don't know. I don't know if they'll ever change their mind or not. Because I, I think it's, I think it's really. We, and perfect. we'd like to support Oldenburg. My wife yeah. is from Oldenburg. I, like I said, I'm from out in Pentown, but my my grandpa was right up in that house up there, and you know, I spent a lot of time in Oldenburg, yeah. and I've got you know, yeah, I have nine aunts and uncles here, right? Well, you so know, the distillery thing's interesting because about. Uh, well, it's been a couple of years ago, and I can't remember the name. There's a little distillery in Batesville. And, oh, yeah? Yeah, and uh, so 12 of us went out, one of my sons and a lot of his friends, and uh, we actually distilled whiskey that day. Yeah. And I think we came back a year and got it. Uh, we had bourbon and something else, but... Anyway, to make a long story short, uh, the the master distiller, I guess you would still call him that, mm -hmm. even if yeah, it's a little yeah. distiller. Oh, yeah, still master distiller. He said, does anybody want to t taste any of this runoff? I said, sure, I'll taste it. He yeah. said, now, I'll tell you. He said, it's about 170 proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I'll yeah. try a little bit. Yeah. It was so smooth. Yeah. I was I was waiting for this. The yeah. big burn finish, right. and I mean, but I drank about, oh, maybe an ounce and a half because I was afraid to drink. Oh, yeah. Although yeah. I got, you know, some of my bourbons are 136, 140 proof. Mm -hmm. so, but uh, so if you do this distillery, mm -hmm. how long the process is that? So each time you go to the TTV, so, you, so the way the process works, you go to the federal government first. And... The way I always describe it to people, you go to the federal government to get the permission to make beer, wine, right? Mm -hmm. to produce it, to manufacture it. Right. You go to the state to be able to sell it. Is basically how it works. So it's state a two-fold two program. Yeah, it is two, and and so it it probably would take about a year to get through all the licensing. I would guess ish, something like that. Um, 
a lot of people hire lawyers and stuff to, to kind of go through the whole process. I just muscle my way through it. I'm not stupid, right? Mm-hmm. So I know how to read regulations, and, and I just fill out all the forms, and I send them in. And the thing about the federal government is there's, well, you have to buy a bond so that they know that they can get their taxes. So you buy, you, you, you issue a Surly bond, is mm-hmm. what it's called. Um, but that's really all you involved in the federal side. And then when you go to the state, each license represents is, is 500 bucks and we actually have four <laughs> we have to have four licenses four licenses yeah so so we produce out on our farm so that's our production facility okay okay so we are a brewery and a winery production production facility on, on the farm in 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 uh, oldenburg there's no available liquor license. As a matter of fact, there's no available liquor license in Franklin County. Okay. So what I found out was uh, when I was doing all this research and I was looking at the different liquor licenses, I saw where brewery licenses and winery licenses do not have quotas on them. All the other ones do. There's about a dozen or there's there's probably 20 different liquor licenses in the state of Indiana. Okay. so I went to the state and I said, hey, what if I opened another brewery? And, they, and could, I, could I have a liquor license? And they said, yeah, you could, you could open 10 of them in, in Oldenburg if you want to. You'll get a liquor license every one of them. Really? Uh-huh. So we have a, a, a license for the brewery and we have a license for the winery here. Um, so we produce on a farm, we bring it here. Now I do some limited production here and production is technically fermentation. Okay. So what I do is I might make, in the case of in, in the case of beer, they call it wort. So you boil the wort with the hops and everything, right? And then you ferment it out. So we'll bring the wort here and, and ferment it. Um, we'll bring the wine. So we'll bring some of the wines here and actually ferment them also. Because uh, one of the things, my wife and I are going up to Wisconsin, and there's a brewery up there that's famous for Berliner Weiss, which is a very, very specific very ancient German style of beer. Because like I said, I'm into the I'm into the true styles. I don't do the the crazy sours and the fruited this yeah. and the vegetable that. You know, everything I do because there's you don't have to. There's so many amazing different styles of beer out there. You don't have to do anything crazy. Well, how many how many do you have right now? How many different? So, um, well, if you look at front of the bar, there's one, two, okay. three. There, see those all those signs. Those are all beers that we've made. Okay. We have 10 on tap at any given time. We have 10 taps up there. Okay. I'm about to add two more, as a matter of fact. So we'll have 12 here pretty soon um, that we'll have on tap. But and how many of the, that are on tap do you can and bottle? Um, we've got um, artwork, and we can, do, we can can up to eight, I think. I think we've, seven or eight of them okay. we can. Um, you have, so <laughs> which is a whole other process, right? You can't just slap a label on a can. The label, the artwork, the wording on the label, the color of the label, the color schemes of the label, all of that has to be, um, all of that has to be approved by the federal government. Not the state, the feds. The feds. The state, the state, the state of Indiana stays out of that part. Now, in, that isn't always the case. There are some states where you have to get the federal government approval for a label and the state. But in our case, the state of Indiana doesn't do that, so you just have to get the federal. What is it? The feds have to approve because you might infringe on somebody else's. Yes. Is yeah. that so, what it is? So each one of the so the artwork you see on the walls. Yes. There, 
Okay, those are all labels. That's all labels. And if you ever look at, you know, you pay who attention. Did, who did the artwork? On oh, this? it was done by um, uh, Nick Wallman. He's a young man that lives out, lives out just outside town. He's he's just a brilliant, brilliant wow. um, artist. That is really neat. Yeah, and we so we've got about six or eight of these different labels for different beers, and they're so specific. For instance, there's only certain colors I'm allowed to like the labels. Um, it has to have the word either lager or ale on it. Uh, and I have to put the style on there somewhere. Your, your logo has to appear on there somewhere. Uh, you have to have the Surgeon General's warning on there somewhere. Um, you, you have to put the, the ABV and then, of course, the amount that's in the container. That all has to be on, on there as well. Well, this now, this here, the Stone Bridge, uh, it says a dry hop lager. What's. Mm -hmm. So a lager, there's, so there's there's two different there's two basic styles of beer. There's yeah. an ale and a lager. And the simplest way to think about it is an ale is what's called top fermenting style of beer, and uh, ales tend to be a little bit a little bit heavier and maybe not as smooth at the end. Yeah, except and, like that. And they go a lot faster. Isn't right? the IPA uh, more? IPA is a label. It's typically uh, typically an IPA is an ale. But is that kind of like? The regular beer, it's kind of, so it's really mild, isn't it? No, an IPA is really harsh. Oh, is it? Yeah, it, well, it depends on who makes it. But uh, an IPA is where they take an ale beer and then they add hops to it later to make it a hop, lot hoppier. Okay. Right. So okay. Some, in this area, hops doesn't sell. You know, when it was funny, when we were, when we were first, when we were getting close to opening the brewery, we were at a, because my wife and I, like most brewers, on our day off, Mm -hmm. We go to breweries. <laughs> yeah. And um, so we, we went to this brewery up Cincinnati, and we were, we were like weeks from opening up, right? And um, the guy says, well, how many IPAs are you going to have on tap? I said, I'm not going to have any. He said, you won't last six months. I said, dude, in our area, hops doesn't – people – maybe one in ten people come in, in here to buy a, an IPA. Really? We never keep more than one on tap at a time um, because we've got all these other wonderful beers. I mean, okay. I've got, I'll have two to three loggers on tap all the time. Okay. Right? Um, the, one that, the one that actually really surprises me is the, is the Scotch Ale. So I've got... Is that the high proof one? No, that's the, yeah, it's called Wee Heavy, and it's 9%. Okay, there, you got one in there that's 12%? Yeah, I've got 12. So I've got a Russian Imperial style or an Imperial style that, that was that was aged in a Starlight Distillery bourbon barrel. Starlight makes good, they, they make, make good really stuff. really good stuff. Yeah. And uh, so I got to meet the owner that last time we were down there, actually. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they, so we, so we put a Russian Imperial Stout in one of their barrels. It was in there for nine months. So the beer tastes like an Imperial Stout, but it also has bourbon flavor in it. Oh. And then I've got our Wee Heavy, which is that Scotch Ale. I put it in a barrel. It went in the barrel at around nine, nine and a half percent. It came out at twelve percent. And <laughs> the thing that's cool about that is the barrel that I got from them, they had bourbon in it, and then they dumped when they dumped the bourbon, they put honey in it for six wow. months. And then when they dumped the honey, they put rye whiskey in it for two years. Whoa. So this beer has all those flavors in it. As a matter of fact, the when you first pour it, especially as it warms up, it smells like um, flowers from all the honey. 
That's amazing. Yeah. That, I mean, that's really cool. It's just. It, that's the thing that's been, that's always a fun, that's a fun part of me. It's, it's a, I, I like the science. I like all the chemistry and biology and all that kind of stuff, right? But I like being creative to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What is, what's your biggest seller for the. This area, it's, it's going to be like the, our lightest beer. It's the boss or it, we've got a Hell's. Hell's the lightest beer? Yeah, the lightest beer typically sells the best here. Well, that's what. You know, because we're still we're still sitting in a sea of Bud Light drinkers, but we're converting some people. Yeah, well, you know the funny thing when when I was a kid, and I I I was drinking beer in bars when I was sixteen. Yeah, and I could never drink the three two. Yeah, and we we called it piss water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the light beer, I can't drink it. I've tr- I've tried Heineken. I've tried everything. I yeah. can't drink it. So, so when I say light, I actually mean light in color. Oh, okay. You're not right. talking about. No, no, no. Not a light beer. Not with the way you think. So, the way brewers. So that's that's the difference. Brewers think about light beer as, as not low in alcohol. Okay. Light in color. Okay. So our blonde, which is the boss. And ironically, yes, my wife is a blonde. And I was the one that came up with the name, by the way, and I still didn't get any points for that. <laughs> um, but anyway, our blonde ale is a, it's a 6% beer. Okay. So we, okay. I don't think we've got, we, no, I'll take it back. We've got a couple beers that are 5.5%, and then obviously they range all the way up to 9%, the McNichol. Well, you know, from what I understand, or what's explained to me years ago, that the three-two beer that they had in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. They said all that means it's not over three-two percent, mm-hmm. and that the six-percent beer means that it's not over six percent. And they said that most of these breweries that are selling six-percent beer was like four point two. Oh yeah, is yeah. that true? Oh yeah, yeah. You now you have to be careful though. So it depends on the state's laws. So. Um, as an example, when I register one of my labels and I put a beer in there and I, de- and I declare that it's 5% alcohol, it has to be 5% alcohol plus or minus a half a percent. That's, is that hard to control? It, it is and it isn't. You know, once you've, got a, once you've got a very stable process, it's not very hard at okay. all. Okay. I mean, it's it not like whiskey. It takes a long whiskey. time to get it done. Right. Yeah, because, you know, some whiskey... You take one single barrel, and you take another single barrel, and you think, is this the same? Yeah, because there, there is a difference. Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. And, and from batch to batch, there's some variation in our beer, but we, we, do a, you know, the, we do a pretty good job of controlling, you know, the because there's so much, and there's a lot of stuff to control, right? I mean, the water chemistry has to be controlled precisely, and we're lucky because... Uh, since we brew out in the farm, I pull all the water off, off out of a well. Okay. The nice thing about that is the water chemistry coming out of that well is always the same. Where you go to these breweries that sit in large, like, you know, large municipalities, even, even like Bates or something like that, the water chemistry varies because they're not, you know, they're, they're adding chlorines, chloramines to it, or they're doing this or doing that. So, you know, some of the pipes may be rustier than others. Yeah. So the the chemistry will change. So what the brewers should do is literally every time they fill their liquor tank, which that's what water, a brewer's water is called liquor. 
-hmm. Every time they fill that tank, they should test it, and then they'll determine what chemistry they have to add to it. Okay, now, your water out of the well, is it filtered, or does the heating process just take any bad things yeah, out? Yeah, the heating process takes all, all okay. of it out. Yeah. Okay. So it just, so the way the, like, quick description of the brewing process. So basically, you take your grain, and you, you develop your recipe first, right? And okay. you take a blend of grains, you always have what's called a base grain, which is what 70% of the grain bill will be. And then you're, you're throwing these other grains in there and think of them as seasoning. Okay. You grind it all up. You put it into what's called a mash tun. Uh, the mash tun, basically, you steep the grain in water. And the water has to be a very held at a very, very precise temperature. Mm -hmm. uh, every brewer does it differently. But they hold it at the same temperature or at a steady temperature. But each brewer does it slightly different. And that's mm -hmm. some of the magic in all of it. Um, and, what, and you hold it in there for about an hour, and during that hour time, the enzymes in the in the grain will convert starches into sugar. So now you got sugary mm -hmm. stuff, right? And then you put it into a boil pot, and then you boil it for one to two hours. And that's where you put your hops and stuff in. And are are you having any problem getting barrels? Um, no, usually when I call down. To, to to get a hold of Christian is the guy I talked to but it's one of the Ubers uh, when I contact them they're usually pretty good about giving me barrels matter of fact what, um, for that wee heavy that, that, that scotch ale yeah. this is really cool so I contacted them and said hey you know, I, I pulled this out of the barrel I needed the barrel and they said hey could you bring your old barrel down I said yeah I guess right so I brought the barrel down, and I brought them a sample of the beer that came out of it. Um, and uh, they they just so happened to have this one of the largest distributors of whiskey in the southern in, uh, the southern United States. Right? He happened to be in there, and they were selling them. They they were buying futures. Okay. Right? Futures on the bourbon, and the guy saw um, he saw the. He, he they talked to me, and they saw that barrel, and um, they put they went ahead and put spirits in it, in my beer barrel, mm -hmm. uh, and then I talked to the Christian later on. And he said, Steve, he said, they they bought your barrel immediately. Really? Yeah. He said they wanted a bourbon rested in your beer barrel. Wow. So that's become that's become a little more of a thing now. Every once in a while, you'll see it. And I, I read something about uh, one of the oaks, maybe it's a red oak or something, that uh, that the bourbon has kicked off so big that getting new barrels could be eventually oh, be a bet. problem. Yeah, yeah, because it's, uh, it's, you know, this craze is, it's not only... It's just growing. Yeah, well, and the thing is, the prices have gone insane. You know, yeah, the thing you, the thing you got to be careful too is I don't even go down a path. There, there's so much skullduggery that takes place in the distilling industry, right? Oh, I mean, I was I talk I was talking to a um, uh, the guy who approved us from being a winery. He uh, he also approves all the distilleries in Indiana, and, and with, we started as a winery right after COVID. Mm -hmm. And he says, Steve, he said. Because I, I was suspected this. He said, do you know there's distilleries up in Indiana? I won't say who it is, but it, there are distilleries around the state of Indiana that they only have an office. Yeah. 
they buy all their bourbon from MGP. MGP. They send Absolutely. it directly to the bottler. Yep. He bottles it, labels it, and they put it on the shelf. Yep. And 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 slap Indiana made on this. But you know. And it's all legal. I know, but I'll tell you what. I've never had anything bad from MGP. I haven't either. I mean, it's. I haven't either. They they they, they actually they're they're a decent distillery. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but. Um, yeah, it just it just feels something about that whole process feels yeah. feels. Different. And I think they just bought Penelope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and which is really really good whiskey. Yeah, it is. Except the eighty proof, I don't like. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I for me, ninety to one hundred five is maybe nine to one hundred ten is my sweet spot. I I don't like to get much above a hundred, but I will go one hundred ten occasionally if it's if it's a good. Bourbon. Boy, I've, I've got, I got some. Uh, uh, Fry Farms out in Nevada. I think it's 126 proof. Jesus, yeah. it's I'm wonderful. Oh, so there's a God. I can't think of the name of them now. Uh, so uh, at least once a year, me and my two sons and some buddies will all go down to Kentucky, camp someplace, and we'll do nothing but hit distilleries. Mm-hmm. And we found this one distillery down there, something Brothers, I think it is. And it is the coolest place I've ever. It, a distillery, hands down, one of the coolest place I've ever been. Really? And, and these guys were brilliant the way they did this. It's in this old barn on this property, and they distill and they age everything in the same basic same barn. But what they do for the tastings, they'll have like five barrels, all barrel proof, all sitting in a row. And you pay to take the tour, and they they take the, the bourbon thief, come directly out of the out of the barrel and dump it in your glass. And then if you want to buy a bottle, they have empty bottles there. And then you fill your own bottle, slap your label on there, sign it. There you go. Well, we've... And it's I, 100, so theirs was 137 proof. Okay. I went to... Well, Indiana's got a lot of good distillers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, myself, three other guys, Mike and Terry Gardner, went to Hard Truth and mm-hmm. did, did a barrel pick. Yeah. And it was, it was really funny because... There, there was four, and we just took the one. Nobody liked the one. So we got down to two of them, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine, Doug Bessler, he used to Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And I'm sitting next to Doug, and I said, uh, boy, these two are tough. I said, I really love the, the palette on the one, mm-hmm. but the finish is so much better on the other one. Yeah. So... And he said, boy, you're right. And he said, hey, I can't remember the guy's name who was uh, serving us. Mm-hmm. He said, how about mixing these two half and half? Oh, that's a good idea. Came out perfect. Yeah. And Terry said, oh, man, now i got to buy two barrels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a hard, that, that's, a, that, that's, a, that's an unfortunate problem to have. But, yeah, yeah I, uh, matter of fact, that now that I'm, since I'm a, um, a beer judge. Uh, I'm, I'm looking. I, I'm, I could become a sommelier for wine, but I really don't want to, right? So, but, but I am, I am going. I mean, I'm looking into becoming certified as a, a judge of spirits. Okay. I'd love to do that, especially since because if my if my son Matt does start the distiller, which I think we will eventually when we buy something. Hope I'm, I'd like to buy this building. But who knows? Well, I think. Um, Alan Stanger, his wife, Mike and Terry, a few other people, um, 
It might have been at Yellowstone. They've got this supposedly this master, you know. Master store, yeah. yeah. And anyway, he, they went through a course. I, call, I think it cost them 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. And they're executive bourbon stewards. And they really, they really got it together as far yeah. as it yeah, There's a few certification programs out there. Um, the one I actually looked at, maybe because I've got a sweet spot in my, my heart for the UK, but it was actually based out of the UK. And what you did is you became a judge for scotch. Because I've never really, I, I, I do like some scotches, but I've never really developed a palate for it. So I thought, well, I'll do that. And I'll go through the process because they have a certificate within that for bourbons. So then when you're done, you're, you're certified as a judge of scotch and bourbon. Okay. Well, you know, it's, I had a funny journey. You know, as a kid and all through the service and almost forever, I was a big beer drinker. Yeah. And uh, uh, I ballooned up to about 237 pounds. Yeah, I'm yeah, six yeah. foot. Yeah. So I went on a kind of a modified South Beach diet. Mm -hmm. And I didn't drink a beer, eat a potato, or a piece of bread for eight years. Yep. I got down to 182. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I developed a taste for wine. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So. I was, we were drinking, I've drink Cab, or regular red Zinfandel, not that white yeah. Zinfandel crap, and, uh, or a Pinot. Mm -hmm. So, then the beer got just, I mean, the wine's just, uh, maybe too much sweetness to it, even though the dry depends, stuff. Yeah, it depends on where you go, so. Yeah, and it, then I went to Scotch. When, when we were in, when we were in London, the last day for a convention. We're sitting at a bar, a guy from uh, another motorcycle dealer was there, uh, a salesman in London, and head of the uh, uh, head of the port at, uh, in Wales. Mm -hmm. And so he said, uh, you drink scotch? And I said, yeah, I said, I used to drink a scotch old-fashioned nice yeah, yeah, yeah so he ordered me a 15-year macallan yeah and i kind of got hooked on it yeah, yeah. but then once i got into the bourbon i've i've got maybe two bottles of single malt scotch and everything else is bourbon or yeah rye. Me, me the same i'm the same way yeah. um, matter of fact i was thinking today I, I had to stop by the liquor store in, in oldenburg on the way here I forgot to pick me up. I, I need, a, need to stop by and pick me up a decent bottle of bourbon. Um, they, uh, it, it's, even though it's a small store, I, 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 like, to, I like to buy from because they handle our beer down there. Oh, really? Yes, they handle our beer down there. They're the only place right now that we're permitting to actually sell our beer. So all Wait, of our cans and all of our bottles, we sell down through there. You're the, you, you can't sell them in baseball? Oh, I can. Oh, I just okay. haven't done it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the only right now, we've kind of given them a little bit of exclusivity until we decide that, okay, we, do, we want to spread out. But the guy who owns uh, the liquor store has been very supportive of us. He's doing oh, a tasting good. for us tomorrow night. Oh, that's nice. And that's he bought, the, uh, he bought a, a big liquor store up in Greensburg. Mm -hmm. So he's going he's gonna to dedicate a cooler to our stuff. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, it, it the thing I there, there's there's a couple things I've learned in, in owning a business like this. One is 
find yourself some good suppliers. Yeah. They may not be the cheapest supplier, but good to good suppliers, right? right? And then the other end of it is get good customers, mm-hmm. right? People who are going to support your business. Um, we were, Melanie and I were uh, out to dinner this week at a restaurant over by St. Leon, uh, Eight Top, and it's it's where there was an old um, golf golf course there, and we got talking to the to the uh, well actually Melanie started the whole conversation talking to the bartender. Next thing you know, the owner comes out and she says, "I'd love to have your beer here, so we might now have it in a restaurant." Well, and, that'd be that'd yeah. Be nice. So you know, we don't want to grow. We never want to be very big. Mm-hmm. We have no intention of it. And you know, I'm, I'm still working for Cummins. I, I work in research for Cummins. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to be there a few more years, and then when I retire, we'll, I'll just be doing this, and then, and then we'll do some traveling. So, but we never want to get real big. And, and um, I always, when I think about breweries, right? There, there's there are, one thing I'll akin a brewery to is like owning a farm. You never re, you never meet a rich farmer. Yeah. Right. You, they do it because they like it. Yeah. Right. And that's why we do this. Um, the other thing I, I always have to laugh. Um, uh, Fritz Maytag, who's the one who he really he he when he bought Anchor Steamer Brewing Company in 1960, he completely changed the industry in the United States. I mean, he was he was a force of nature. If you ever read up on this guy, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but there's a there's a famous quote. Somebody was talking to him about you know. Um, if you're going to make it, you know, how, how, how are you doing? You're going to make any money in this? He says, you know what? He says, the best way to make a small fortune in a, in a, in a brewery is to start with a large fortune. <laughs> well, that's and true. that is absolutely yeah. bloody yeah. true, too. Because, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's, because I, I, I was in business for 53 years. My mm-hmm. kids got it now. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> when I was in Cincinnati, I had, 17 different businesses, 200 people working for me. And when I divested everything there, moved to Batesville, mm-hmm. and had like eight people working for me, it was just like being on vacation. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I know. I, uh, I've had a lot of people work for me over the years, uh, not necessarily in the brewery, but in my career commons and the career over in England. It's nice to be able to do something as an individual contributor. Though. Oh, I mean, yeah. My son works for me. Matt works for me as a brewer. Okay. And I'm training him on this. But Now, is he doing that full-time, or is he? Uh, he does that, and then he also is a blacksmith. So he does a lot of metal work. He does oh, metal okay. fab. Well, yeah, because um, your wife said he made He made, he made all the tables. Metals. He made that beautiful sign we got out, hanging out next to 229. Um, Town of Oldenburg just hired him to build a special gate. Really? In one of the state, or one of the parks. Oh yeah, he does this wow. incredible work. He's made some. He, he's made chef knives. He's had. He's he's had a few people come to him, and he's he's actually um, done chef knives. That's neat. Because I mean, uh, do you know Chaz Kaiser? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, him and him and Matt are friends. Oh, I mean, friends. you know, I, he's a I, dude. Yeah. I like him. I, he's a great guy. I he was. Uh, I think my. I've got, I've published 61, yeah, 60, 61 podcasts so far. Oh, wow. And, okay. and Chance was like the fourth one. Yeah. And we're going through, and, he's, and he said, well, you know, he said, I'm still teaching. I said, what? 
I said, well, I teach high school. I said, I teach uh, glass blowing now. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm That's th- cool. I'm thinking you old hippie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring that up because one of the things, again, I can't do it because we don't own the building, so we don't have the room. But one of the things that's always been my vision is, uh, like, during the summer, maybe three or four times, I want to bring like local craftsmen in and do a demonstration. Like, for, for instance, Matt, is what he does, the blacksmithing is very visual. Right? Mm-hmm. If Chaz does black glass blowing, I'd ask him to come in and, and yeah. do a demonstration. You know, there's some local painters and artists that are really, really good. So have them come in and and do, you know, show how to paint. So yeah. I I love doing that kind of stuff, right? That, and it... it where I can give back to the community I want to. I mean, I've lived in this community most of my life, right? So, uh, you know, as long as the brewery pays for itself, anything above that, I'll put back into the community in some way. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I don't, I didn't, I never had no intentions of getting rich doing this. I just love to do it. I love the industry. Mm-hmm. And it's always keeping me fresh. Yeah. Right? Um, well, and see, even like on a th- Thursday, you've got some people in here now, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's early. I mean, and yeah, I, I, it's neat. And yeah, it, yeah, and and uh, we'll, we've got the spin the vinyl night. So oh yeah, can go up there and throw a record on there, or their favorite on there. And <laughs> well, well, like I said, I should have I should have brought some of mine, but some of them, you know, <laughs> I. I've got the old Glenn Miller and Tommy yeah, Dorsey. Yeah. And, We've got some of those at home. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. You know, like Red Conniff mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That, yeah. My kids and grandkids, I don't know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, so I know. I know. It's well, just, we, we do a lot of stuff like this where we'll do the spin to vinyl. Our, our uh, trivia nights are really, really popular. Uh, and then we don't do the music during the summer because mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's too much to compete with but during yeah. the winter. Um, we'll either put acoustic sets there in the corner, or we've actually had four-man bands back in that corner. Uh, really? Before, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they rocked it. Some of them rocked the house. Okay. Um, well, what's it, why don't you name all of your beers that you have? Oh, God. Can. Yeah, so, man. Um, you, I mean, I'll, I'll do some of them. Just I'll, some of right, them. Right, so uh, let me start with the Cole Stoker, because I'm looking at the sign. So the, the Cole Stoker has a, so all of our beer names, by the way, have something to do with either Oldenburg or with our family. Really? Yeah, every one of them. Every one of them. That's the number one rule. It either the, the name either has to be something to do with our family, or something to do with Oldenburg. So who thinks? Or do you, you, your wife, and your son all get your heads together? Yep, or and my, you know, so so I've got three kids. I've got a daughter and a son that don't live here. They throw in their throw throw their names in there too. So the Cole Stoker, uh, the picture up there is a guy by the name of Docky Flutter. Uh, we got permission to use that from the family. Docky was real famous in the area. Everybody knew Docky. When he when he whispered, you could hear him three counties away. Right. <laughs> and what was neat about that is my grandpa Paul was a coal stoker for the nuns when they had, uh, you know, when they used coal for heat. Okay. When Docky got out of World War II, my grandpa hired him. Really? Yeah. So he and he worked there his whole life. Docky did. So 
the way that so the graphics so we got the, the graphics was based on Docky a picture actual picture Docky shoveling coal into the furnace is what you see there yeah. but if you pay real close attention the smoke coming out of the out of the furnace has yeah. BP from Ben Paul that's my grandpa oh yeah so neat. the stone bridge stone yeah. bridge you see here yeah so what that is it's a dry hop logger the car going across the top that's the back rotor so our, our flagship beer is a back rotor. It's a German style Pilsner. Okay. Okay. We had them. So we got a, there's a picture over there of just the back rotor itself, but you see the back rotor car going across the stone bridge. The stone bridge is here in Oldenburg, and the stone bridge has got hops on it because it's a it is the back rotor with extra hops. That's why it's dry hop lager. Okay. Village wheat. Um, yeah. The craftsman. The Craftsman label shows all the crafts that were the craftsmen that 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 were popular in, in Oldenburg back in the 1800s. Um, we've got one. This will be a challenge for you. We've got one up there called the Snake Feeder. The what? The Snake Feeder. Oh, okay. You know what that is? No. So when I was growing up, until I was in my 20s, I never knew what a dragonfly was. They were a snake feeder. Oh. Because my family called dragonflies snake feeders. Okay. And it's an Appalachian term. So those are just some examples. So the McNichol, which is the, our Scotch ale, or we heavy, that's my wife's um, Scottish name. Her, 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 her family is the McNichols. Okay. So everything we've got, the boss, obviously named after my wife. Um, the, like I said, I talked about the crash of Duropa. Duropa translated is Grandpa. That was my beer. One of my, grands, one of my grandchildren named it Duropa. Okay. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So we we do a lot of different a lot of different styles. Um, Autumn's Reward is our is our Marzen. So it's it's a it's a it's Oktoberfest. So okay. It's fall of the year, and the um, the label has. This old farm equipment cutting down hay in the fall, or uh, uh, picking corn in the fall. Okay. Do you have uh, in the season? Do you have Bach beer? Yeah, I got did. a Bach on tape. So the Bach beer is interesting. So I've got a Helles Bach up there, which is a light-colored Bach beer. Okay. Okay. It's a very specific German style. Um, I would normally only have that on in the spring, mm -hmm. but it's got such a following. My customers won't let me take it off. It's kind of like the Wee Heavy, the Scotch Ale. Okay. I've, I, yeah, I've got people that come in all the time, and they insist that I have that on tap. Wow. Yeah. So we've got about, we've got 10 taps. Uh, probably four of them are pretty stationary. They're there all the time. And then the other six rotate. And that actually is what our customers find the most interesting, because they love to come in. And since we're, you know, we're, we're a small brewery, we don't brew a lot at a time, mm -hmm. we can be constantly mixing it up. Yeah. That's why we've got, last time I looked, I had 36 different, 36 different recipes right now. Wow. And I probably have a hundred recipes I'm going to try. Really? Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. You know, because the only thing uh, that I think resembles a craft beer... That, and I have tried yours yet. Well, before I leave, I'm going to have a beer. Yeah. But uh, it's Guinness. Yeah. I, I mean, the Guinness beer 
you, you, you always have a head on it, mm -hmm. unless you got it. Yeah, because of, the, because of the nitro. Yeah. It's the nitrogen in it. Is that what it is? They, they, they push it. Yeah, actually, Guinness invented what's called beer gas, which is 75% uh, nitrogen and 20% and or 25%. Well, is there something about, and I'm, and I can't remember who told me this, but someone said that if you don't clean a glass with a certain chemical, that as soon as they pour a beer on tap, It'll, it's going to be flat. It will be. Oh, absolutely. That's that absolutely right? true, yeah. So we have a very specific chemical, very specific type of soap we clean our glasses with. And the other thing that we always, first of all, we will never serve you a second beer in the same glass. That We just don't do it. Okay. Uh, and then the other thing we do is we, we dampen the glass. You got to tell restaurants that. <laughs> and the other thing we do... Um, is we, 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 we uh, rinse every glass, even though it's clean, we rinse every glass. Okay. And the reason you do, the reason you rinse a glass isn't, is to get, I mean, you get the dust out, but you, the reason you do that is when you pour the beer in it, if the glass is wet, it won't force the CO2 out of the beer and it'll hold a better head. So you should always put, if you're going to pour a proper pint, that pint should always be poured in a glass and stamp. Okay. That's interesting because, you know, I most restaurants, it, I, I would never order a draft beer at a restaurant unless it was a Guinness because I've never had one without a head on. Yeah. But most restaurants, by the time they get to the table, there's, there's no head. There's no head. Well, the other problem that, that restaurants run into is they don't have a very good cleaning regimen for their tap lines. So we clean, Melanie actually is the one that does it, we clean our tap lines every two weeks. Really? Every two weeks. And we have special chemicals we clean them with, special sanitizer we sanitize them with. Wow. Just to maintain the quality of our product. Because somebody and, told me like restaurants might do it every two months or so. Yeah, if that. There's really? some restaurants I think it maybe do it every two years. Oh. Yeah. But if you, if you ever look behind our bar, see what says tap lines clean and we put the date. Really? Yeah, so the last time the tap lines were cleaned was May 18th. That's, I, that's amazing. We list it. That's we, you know, the only thing you do is serve beer, which is the only thing we do. We don't serve food, just beer. you got to do it right. Yeah. And I want, our, I want our, our customers to have a good experience. There's two young ladies over there. Yes. Pay attention to the, there's, there's, see the foam sticking to the side of the glass? Yep. That's what you want. Yeah. That means the glass is clean. Okay. I'll be there. Yeah. So, now, the the people that are in here now, are they kind of regulars? Well, uh, the table of four are. Matter of fact, the one guy that's there actually works for us as a bartender. Oh, really? Even his days off, he has to come in. Because he, <laughs> he loves craft beer. And the three guys sitting over there, one of them's a regular. But the other two are friends of his that fly in. One's from California and the other one's from Colorado. Okay. They're here tonight be with Tom and to listen to him spin records. Is that right? Yeah, and they're going to go the race. They come in to go to the race. Wow. That's but it's in, on, on, like, for instance, uh, Saturday, I worked all day. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a wedding here in town. We had a table full of people from Idaho, Arizona, Michigan, you know. Wow. And, but on any given Saturday, we could have just all kinds of random people show up from all over the tri-state area. I've got one guy 
that loves our craftsman so much because it's an English style bitters. Mm-hmm. He drives down from Dayton about once a month, stocks up, has two pints and goes home. Is that right? Oh, yeah. At regular's clockwork. What about now at Freudenfest? Do you have a booth? Yeah, so last year we have, we have, so we have a trailer. We actually have a beer trailer we rent. Um, okay. But in addition to that, we, we have we also do events with it as a refrigerator trailer. So we were down at Freudenfest this last year, kind of tucked back this back because we didn't we didn't know how it was going to go. So we had them kind of put us back out of the way a little bit. Uh, this year we're going to be there both nights, um, serving. I think we've got it, at least four beers. We've got a Kolsch, which the town of Oldenburg actually asked us to brew a Kolsch just for the Freudenfest. Explain the Kolsch. Is that a so? It's Kolsch is a German. A very light German ale. Okay. Very light flavored. Um, and then we've got the Garopa, which is our, uh, that's our Dunkel, mm-hmm. the lager. Um, if the license permits, we'll probably have a cider. Uh, I think we're going to have a Craftsman on there. And then we'll have the Blonde or the, the, uh, the Boss. Well, you know, one of the guests that I had on, uh, do you know Eric Hepner? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Eric, I guess he's chairman of the Freud Fest. Mm-hmm. I guess it was his turn. So, yeah, yeah. And uh, it, I, he, it, it was amazing because he knew the history from when it started as a fireman's festival sure, and everything. Yeah. And uh, he said the funniest thing is when uh, somebody... He, if he asked somebody out from out of town, uh, do you know how many half barrels we sell of a German beer? <laughs> well, I imagine at least 10. And he yeah. says, how about 300? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we, we've actually, because, you know, we've got a small system, we started brewing for the Freudenfest over a month ago. Really? Yeah, yeah, because... We only brew. We can only brew so much at a time, yeah. and so we brew it, and then we we've just been stocking up kegs. Okay, well, you know, the 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 neat thing about Freudenfest, it, it just brings people together. And I told Eric, I said, you know, why don't you have a digital sign in? Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, there's at least ten thousand people there. Maybe yeah. there's thirteen or fourteen thousand because it's almost impossible to count. Yeah. And when you see a name somebody from Germany and and you can relate that to people and keep getting it bigger and bigger and you said, Well, I don't know how much bigger we, we can, can get, get it, right? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. uh, it's a big festival. We we enjoy doing it every year. Well, this will be our second year actually being there, but yeah, my wife and I have gone to Freudenfest for God, since we were going together. Right? Yeah. Um, well, we don't go anymore. My, my my wife has some some problems. She uh, she's cancer free, but she developed neuropathy from the oh, sure. from the chemo, and uh, so she has some problems getting around. But I mean, she's healthy other than that, and yeah. few few other ailments. But that's you get old, and it happens. And it happens. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So, but. I, I think this is great. And uh, uh, anything coming up that, because we had a lot of audience around the area, mm-hmm. a lot of Cincinnati. And, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, for us, um, well, we'll continue to have that. We, we've got a, uh, 
the trivia, which is a big thing every other every other Thursday, twice a month. This summer, we don't have a lot of special events. Um, we are towards the fall. We're going to, if the town will permit it, um, we're going to go ahead and close off the parking lot, and we're going to do a big fall bash probably sometime in September. Okay. So um, probably three or four bands. We'll bring in some food trucks, and if the, and then we'll ask the town if we can use the big grassy over here mm-hmm. area over here to, to park. Um, we will be at so Oldenburg is having a festival. I think it's June June 18th, maybe. They're having another festival. Yeah. Saying? So so everybody wanted every, everybody wanted the parade to come back. They didn't care about okay. the festival, but they loved the fireman's parade. Yeah. So. Um, they, a group here in town decided to get together, and they're going to have a, uh, uh, a festival. I think it's, must be the 24th, it's 24th, I think it's 24th of June. Um, and it's called uh, Summer Bash Under the Spires, I think is what they're calling mm-hmm. it. So we, we're actually, our beer trailer will be set up, um, and we're setting up a big beer garden, uh, and we're sponsoring the music. We're going to have Five Lights play, which is a big local band. So that'll be a lot of fun. Well, um, you know, I've told them, uh, I still have a high school lunch that I go to once a month. Yeah. Uh, it's dwindling fast. I'll bet, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, I, I've mentioned to so many people in the Batesville, Oldenburg area, there's a lot of destination points. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, like you got Schmidt's Bakery for the Thinglings. Yep. You got uh, Batesville Liquor Store has got an unbelievable selection. selection. And uh, Walnut Street Variety Shop. Have you been in there? Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got for all ages and just amazing. And this here should be a destination point too. We're working on it. We are mm-hmm. working on it. We're getting more and more people to see it as that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you we're getting. A broader and broader audience. So we're getting people from we'll pull people from Cincinnati. To, almost every Saturday, we'll have at least one, maybe two people from Cincinnati come in, or from Indianapolis, it'll come in. Um, How do they hear about you? Facebook, word of mouth. Um, you know, those are kind of the the only the only real avenues we have, mm-hmm. rather than doing things like podcasts. Um, and do you ever do private events here? Yes, we do private events. Matter of fact, we've got a private event uh, next Saturday. I think it is. Uh, somebody's having a retirement party. Sixty people. Six. So basically, then it's closed to the. Public. No, we let people come in. We can hold about a hundred. Okay. So if they're going to bring in sixty people, we'll rope off an area, and then the regulars okay. can come in. Okay. The problem we have, and my wife and I've talked about this before. We could close it down, but the thing is, yeah. let's say somebody from Indianapolis I, drives well, all the way down here. You're right? done. You're done. You're done. Yeah, they no, show no, up. No second and, and you, They show up, and it, then this, and it says, "Oh, sorry, close for a private event." I'm thinking, "Well, shit," and then you're done. Right? Yeah. You're, they're going to come back. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've got to kind of restrict it because we've only got this one room, right? So we've got to kind of restrict. But we do a lot of special events, mm-hmm. and and private. We're getting that's really helps us a lot. Actually, is the small, the small events like that. You know, 30, 40, 50, 60 people. We can handle it very, very well. Yeah. Well, you and know, since people can bring their own food in. We're not a restaurant, so people bring their own food in. Well, four years ago, I had a, I, I gave myself a birthday party, 
yeah. at Izzy's. Yeah. And they were open for a brunch till three, three o'clock. Mm -hmm. Well, my party started at three and it went on till, I don't know, I, last one's left about 11. I had 178 people. Jesus, yeah, that's now, a lot. Now, January is gonna be my 85th. Oh. And I'm trying, and I, I told my wife, I said, you know, I, I need something to top that one. She yeah. said, you need to be committed. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's a lot of people. I know. But I was thinking that uh, we have a very large family. We have seven children, 18 grandchildren, seven great-grandchildren. That's a can, lot. Yeah. Can, we can't any, have kids. Kids? We cannot have I, children. I don't think so. Yeah. Nat, do you remember I told you how there's all these different licenses? Yep. yep. Right. So here's a stupid thing about this. If you were a restaurant, you could have them. If I was a distillery, I could. If what? I was a winery, I could. Oh, yeah. That's how stupid it is. That doesn't make sense. And here's the, here's the part that doesn't make sense. I'm a brewery and a winery, right? Yeah. Winers can have children. Breweries can't. We contacted the, AT, the Indiana ATC. Says, hey, we're a winery now. That means we can have children. It says, no, no, no. The brewery over the brewery restrictions overrides the winery. So so we're working with a local representative. And, and breweries have been trying to get this done for years in Indiana. It's just, it's because it's just stupid. Yeah. Um, so we're working with our local representative, it's a state representative, and she's young, she's energetic, she wants to make a name for herself, I think. So she's helping us to try to see what, why. I said, I don't care if we, I understand if we can't get the law changed. I get it. But I'd sure like to know why. Why do you pick on brewers? We have the lowest amount of alcohol of all those other categories. Yeah. Why the hell would you restrict breweries from having children? Wineries and distilleries can't. That's amazing. Yeah. That's it's, just it's, amazing. And if we were a restaurant, yes, we could also have yeah. children. But we can't. Be, but the only, I think, if not, it may be the only liquor license in Indiana. I, don't hold me to this. But it's got to be one of the very few that do not permit children. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, because that, that, that makes it tough because we had, uh, well, we have we have a lot of events. Uh, maybe uh, my my wife's a retired RN, so we go to lunches once a month. And maybe, uh, I guess, if, if we brought a group of people in and we could just order food. Yeah, have delivered here. We do that all, people do that all the time. The other thing you do, you have to do too, is pay attention to our Facebook. I posted on on our website also, but we have about a half a dozen food trucks we work with. One of them does Hawaiian food. Two of them do barbecue. Uh, one guy does tacos. Well, to, to, tacos to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's good and, stuff. Yeah, and so yeah, but and they just set up in the parking lot, and then customers can go out, buy the food, bring it in, have a good pint. There you go. Yeah. We have a lot of people who go, obviously, to go to Wagner's. Go, may, they may order their, food, their chicken to go or yeah. their bra house chicken to go. Yeah. And they'll bring it in here, sit and eat, have a proper pint. Makes a good night. That'd be interesting because we've got, well, we've got an, well, got an anniversary coming up. And uh, the problem is that we invite the grandkids. Most of the grandkids are over 21. 
But then they've got kids and yeah. so that won't But work. you know, we, we if, <coughs> if you plan an event and you want to have the event here like during our normal business hours, yeah. then we're gonna we're gonna still be open to the public. But you could still bring food and things in. Yeah. Uh, but if you say, well, you know, I really want to do it on a Monday night or whatever, then we'll we'll open for you. Uh, the only difference is we'll, we'll charge you for the bartender. Yeah. Because we have to pay our bartenders. To come sure. Out. No, well, see, the thing is, it's like as our crowd dwindles, uh, uh, usually it's my wife's cousin. Most of them are in Kentucky. But then they we take turns. They'll come over us. And uh We've been going down to Eston Oaks, but they could come to Batesville and burn, come over here. We could sit down, order and pizza or whatever they want. Here. And the other thing we did, we've only done it once, but it was a ton of fun, so we need to do it more often. Um, we did we, we did do a private event. We actually, we, we donated a lot to the to the OA, the local high school, local, uh, school mm-hmm. and we donated a lot to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so... But anyway, the hospital auctioned off a what I call a craft beer event. And the way it worked, you had so many people could come in, and you got a souvenir glass, uh, and then you got a taste of everything that went on tap. So what I do then is we serve the beer in a, you know, short, short pours, mm-hmm. um, and then I explain the history of the beer and what the ingredients are. So that way, and, and what you should be tasting. So actually, the whole part of the whole reason for the event is to teach people about beer and the different flavors okay. in the beer and those kinds of things. Well, that might be something from from my high school class. There'd be there'd be uh, we still have between usually twelve and sixteen of us. Yeah, that'd be perfect size. I think the one we auctioned off was like twenty or twenty five people. Yeah. But now we'd have to change that because ours, you're not open on Tuesdays. Ours is the first Tuesday of every well, month. We'll open up for it. It's okay. a matter of fact, better if we do because then that way you're here by yourself. And we could do a tasting yeah. event like that. Yeah, you could do this this brewery event. We just charge you so much, and then we, you automatically get a tasting of everything, and you get a glass. Yeah, well, and and you know the other thing is we had a, I had a couple book signings at Batesville Liquor Store, and this one fellow that I met uh, probably 30 years younger than me but uh, we were on an honor flight I was participating in the honor flight and he was a guardian on it and anyway we've become good friends over the years and uh, he came down to a liquor store with his wife with a book signing and I think he bought about $700 worth of booze while I was there because he said you can't find this in Ohio you can't find it since then so, yeah, they've done a really, really good job. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm trying. I, I don't know how long we've been talking. Probably a little over an hour, huh? Yeah, a little over yeah. an hour. Yeah. yeah so, uh, I'll tell you what. Why don't we wrap this up? And I'm going to have a beer. That sounds like a good okay. idea because you're in exactly the right place to have a beer. <laughs> well, Steve, it's been a real pleasure. I thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, and sure. Wish you all the luck in the world. And uh, right now, I'm going to close this out and again I love to play the national anthem but I can't do it but uh, if you ever are in the Batesville Oldenburg area you've got to come to, uh, to got to come to this tap room I mean it is really nice try some beer and I'm going to sign off right now I'll talk to everybody in the next podcast and uh, Enjoy yourself, but I'm going to have a beer. See ya.